From Mew Mew HQ in Milan, this is Mew Mew Musings, a co-production between Mew Mew Podcasts, Penny Martin, and In Talks With Productions. Welcome to Mew Mew Musings. I'm Penny Martin. The fashion brand Mew Mew has long been ahead of the pack in recognising the demand for a more diverse range of female voices, with its imaginative programmes of women-centred talks and panel discussions. Most recently, this takes the form of the Mew Mew Musings, an international series of lunch debates that mix expert opinion with friendly discussion on modern themes relating to resistance. In this episode of Mew Mew Podcasts, we hear from the third debate of the series, which took place in Beijing in November 2019, when the motion was, There is nothing original under the sun. As speaker, I asked the writer and podcaster, Anne Friedman, to present in favour of the motion. You'll be glad to hear. Uh, it's now time to let our speakers go head to head. Anne Friedman, I call upon you to speak on behalf of our motion, This House Believes There Is Nothing Original Under the Sun. Before I begin in earnest, I thought it might be helpful to talk a little bit about the word original, because that seems to be at the heart of our debate. Um, So what does it mean to be original? It means uh, you're at a beginning. It's the first. The first time something has happened or been created. It's not secondary. It's not derivative. It's not an imitation of something that has come before it. Uh, It is an independent and standalone achievement. And uh, as I'm about to argue, this is a standard that all modern creative and scientific inventions fail to meet. There's nothing original under the sun. And I'm also arguing that's okay. That's actually a good thing. Um, So let me explain. All creators build on work that already exists. They build on the methods and processes of other artists and scientists and inventors who have come before them throughout history. Um, We love to hear stories about how a lone genius went into her studio or into her lab and then emerged with an invention fully formed um, that was totally the result of her own ideas in isolation. Um, The reality is that that does not happen. Uh, There is no brilliant work that is the result of the thinking of one person alone with no outside inputs. And I have a couple of examples for you. So I'm holding one such example, the smartphone. This was invented because people had already invented the barometer in 1640, the gyroscope in 1817, the magnetometer in 1833, the lithium ion battery in the 1970s, and Wi-Fi in 1991. It's the only reason why this supposedly brand new invention could have been in the world at all. Um, There are cultural examples. We have EDM music because hip hop, dub, disco, synth pop all came before it. Um, And because someone had already invented synthesizers and computers and all of the technology required to make electronic music. I won't make you listen to the dates for all of that. Um, (laughs) And then we also have things like the buildings of I.M. Pei, which were inspired by garden villas, works of the Bauhaus, and simple geometric patterns that can be traced all the way back to ancient Mesopotamia and Egypt. 
It is said that good artists copy, great artists steal. And I think it's appropriate that no one can decide who said this originally. Some say it was Pablo Picasso. Some say it was Igor Stravinsky. Um, I think it was perhaps an uncredited woman somewhere. <laughs> but whoever said it, the point is this. Um, there are no good ideas and bad ideas. There are simply ideas that are not worth stealing, that we kind of ignore, and ideas that are worth stealing and recombining with other ideas to make something fresh in this combination. To put it another way, ideas are not inside you trying to get out. They are outside, all around, trying to get in. And the greatest artists and inventors are people who are most able to let these great ideas in. They are remixing, taking things that exist out in the world already, and shifting them, adapting them, combining them to achieve a new result. I argue that this is progress, and it's creative, but it is not originality. If someone tries to tell you that even the most outrageous invention is truly original, I urge you to look closer, to ask a few questions about the history. Usually when you do, you can see that it is a work of incremental progress, not something brand new that arrived out of nowhere. Today, many tech companies claim to be offering something brand new out of nowhere, um, when in fact they're similar products and services that many businesses have offered for decades. Um, simply with a nicer website, or there's an app version. It's very nice to hold this and gesture to it. Um, it's essentially a slightly better or slightly easier version of something people were already doing. And um, this idea is not new as well. Um, the invention of the umbrella can be traced back 3,500 years here in China. Legend has it that Lu Ban, a carpenter, an inventor, was inspired by children who were using lotus leaves to cover their heads from the rain. He created an umbrella by making a flexible framework covered by a cloth, essentially an imitation of the leaves that he saw these children using. So was the umbrella invented by Lu Ban? Or was it the children using lotus leaves to stay dry in the rain who really came up with this idea first? Either way, I don't think it's fair to say the umbrella was fully Luban's original idea. Sorry to him. <laughs>
This is one way you know that things called new are not in fact original, if you see them pop up in multiple places. But they are progress. It means that those people separately are taking the info and all the history and combining them to kind of arrive at the same place. The most inspiring creative works really prove to me that that's okay. It's actually still exciting and that there are still creative things possible. Um, when it comes to art in particular, lack of originality is often a mark of genius. So that idea of great artists steal. It takes a lot of creativity and skill to be able to look at the world around you, combine existing ideas and inventions and art into something fresh to sort of say, I want this and that and this and together make something that is a new creative work. The most inspiring creative works, the music that moves me, the clothes that make me gasp, the paintings I could stare at for hours, are so impressive to me because of the associations behind them, because they're a combination of materials and ideas that already exist in the world. And this lack of originality can be both exciting and comforting at the same time. It's why when you watch a movie or read a book with a story that feels profoundly true, it feels true to you because it feels familiar. It feels like other things you've heard before. And um, I think that's a hallmark of great art. And um, I, I also think it's true that I don't, you know, saying this, the smartphone was created from all these component parts that pre-existed doesn't mean I don't love my phone. <laughs> I, I very much rely on this, you know, update to a lot of existing technology. Um, it's why new technologies become dear to us so quickly. They replace things that we have already relied on. And also, can you imagine how delighted those children were to replace their lotus leaf with an umbrella? The feeling I'm talking about is that. It's exciting, but it's familiar. So uh, in conclusion, no, the sun does not shine on original inventions created by mad scientists or genius artists alone, isolated from other creators without any historical references or inputs. The most creative people generate fresh things by making what can look like small adjustments to existing things or combining them together. They're creative precisely because they are aware of history, because they're building upon it, and because they're often doing it with other people in collaboration. And so the result is not original, and I think that's a good thing. Thank you. That was Anne Friedman speaking at Mew Mew Musings in November 2019 making an inspired case for the motion. After guests had considered the facts over their starter course, it was time for me to call the virtuoso pianist and multimedia artist Rosie Chan to speak against the motion. There is nothing original under the sun. There is nothing original under the sun. The only way that I can really respond to this statement is from a personal, emotional, and aesthetic point of view. If I agree with this statement, then by definition, um, I would have to agree and accept, admit that my life thus far has been a waste of time. <laughs> I believe that it is a basic human characteristic to wish to be seen as unique, all of us, 
even with the most repressive and conformist of cultures, we still want to find detail. We still want to specify things that can ultimately make us recognizable as differentiated from the group, from the gang. Let's look at the situation with women today. We've had to fight for every single piece of recognition to get people to notice that we are as capable and as creative as men. Let me say from the beginning that I am not an intellectual. Um, I'm an artist, a practitioner of ideas, so my response is purely from a practical point of view. Okay, let's go back to the premise, there is nothing original under the sun. If there is nothing original under the sun, then is the pursuit of authenticity and originality a waste of time? I would say that pretty much everything that I've done, whether it's um, composing my own music or interpreting the work of another composer, has contained within it an idea of originality. Okay, let's take an example of um, a piece of music that I love. Rachmaninoff's third piano concerto, Opus 30, written in 1909 in D minor. There are approximately 30,000 notes in this piano concerto. And they're in a very specific order. In order for me to play that concerto, I need to memorize every single one of those 30,000 notes. I would then have to try and reproduce them as accurately as possible based upon the composer's wishes. So whatever the sheet music tells me, uh, timbre, dynamic markings, um, velocity, and I, and I have been trained, to, rigorously trained to do this very thing. But what's original about that? Well, the minute I start playing, something unique happens. The brain sends a signal to all of my ten fingers and they order them to play every note as correctly as possible. But I also begin to make very specific decisions about, decisions about how loud I'm going to play and in terms of, in terms of micro-timing, how I want to delay a specific note or um, accelerate into a passage. On top of that, I'm probably going to be in a concert hall, an art gallery, or an intimate venue. So that also has a very specific acoustic, and that's going to determine the way I'm going to present my performance. And then maybe there's an orchestra there too, so I have to balance the dynamics. There are all these things that I have to take into account on the spot and then present. And then there's also the audience. I'm very aware of the response from the audience and their reaction, and, and that will also affect the way I, I perform. And so in a very short space of time, my performance, this, this concerto becomes my concerto. I think that either subconsciously or consciously, I strive to make this work my own. I want this work to be seen from my point of view, and I want this concerto to sound like nobody else's. So, 
by the time that I finish performing this piece of music, I, um, I have in fact used the piece of music and I've used it as a template, but I have done my very, very, very best to put my own individual stamp on it. So it seems to me that we're always consciously or unconsciously striving for originality. But does this mean that good art will be the result of the desire or pursuit to be creative? Not necessarily. That was Rosie Chan, who went on to unleash a secret weapon when making her case against the motion, her portable piano. But let's take the world of electronic pop music, a factory where hits are made by teams of people. So in contemporary electronic dance music, to an outsider, one piece of music might sound very repetitive. Sometimes one piece of music might sound almost identical to another. But for good reason, uh, it's the way that the music industry is run. And it's very similar to that of the film industry, is that they are both industries where vast amounts of money are poured into these machines to produce commercial production. But even um, even within the tight constraints of commercial production, individuals are always looking to put something unique and subtle into their collective result. Thank you, Anne, for supporting that motion. <laughs> um, an example is, it, it could be that a producer wants to make the sound of his snare drum or his, uh, his uh, bass kick sound different to the sound of another producer's snare drum or bass kick. And he will strive to change and adjust and fix and tweak everything he can to be able to say, I am unique. This is my sound. And this seems to be a fundamental part of our DNA. If we look at history, we'll find proof of uh, every stage of our evolution of people saying, I am an individual. I am different to everybody else. Let me try something. I would like several of you, or one of you, to give me three notes within the range A, B, C, D, E, F, G. F. F? A?
piece of DNA <laughs> seems impossible to repress as we continue to explore and venture out of the city, the group, the gang. Um, we are constantly in need to rearrange this limited number of notes, the limited number of um, colours available to an artist, and then to retell that story, which are a few, but to retell it in a different way. So in short, it is impossible to separate art from the human experience of the artist, and we will always strive for originality. May I end with one quote? <laughs> okay, one, actually there's two. There's one by Bach and one by Proust. So Bach first. The aim of all music should be to refresh the soul. Proust. We don't receive wisdom. We must discover it for ourselves after a journey that no one can take for us. That was Rosie Chan giving a spectacular take on the motion There is Nothing Original Under the Sun at the Mew Mew Musings lunch debate in November 2019. Once the Ming course was served, Mew Mew Musings guests were eager to air their opinions as we opened up to questions. I began with Anne's provocation that an artwork's connection to a previous work was the proof of its value. Please note that not all guests announce themselves by their full names. So there's a full list of guests on the Mew Mew Musings webpage of mewmew.com, together with further reading on the debate topic recommended by Anne and Rosie. Let's start and ask, do we have any uh, questions for our speakers? I thought so. So I've prepared a few of my own. <laughs> Let's start with you, Anne, since you went first. With pleasure. <clears throat> you make a number of uh, points that sent my, my head spinning. But this first one, the idea that an artwork or a cultural product is its contingency on something else is the mark of its genius. Complete heresy. Tell us more. What do you mean? Hmm. I mean, I guess when I really think about, also on a personal level, works of art that really make me feel something deeply about my experience, things that change my experience of the world, usually they're resting on an idea that I thought I had. They're resting on another work that I maybe loved or hated. There's sort of an interplay going on. Um, and and that's, that's sort of what began my, um, I guess, intellectual path to this mm -hmm. idea of maybe that's a positive thing. Next to me at uh, lunch, sorry to out you there, but um, uh, Hung Huang, you made an amazing point to me from your art historical background and amongst your other uh, intellectual um, uh, credentials, but you were, you were telling me that this idea of provenance was a very important part of um, the Chinese perspective on art and whereby when somebody would buy a work of art, um, the subsequent purchaser would expect to see evidence of customization or provenance on the work of art and yes. this kind of idea about an incremental to bring your point of um, build up of context rather Absolutely. than originality or yes. specificity was in fact its beauty. Can you say more about that? I think 
my grandfather was a collector of Chinese calligraphy and paintings. And what I've learned from his collection really is that when Chinese collectors collect, they're very not, they're not only correct, collecting the original artists, but they're also collecting the other collectors. So it is perfectly all right for you to buy a painting and it inspired poetry in you and you can just write the poetry right on the painting and sign your name. And then the next person who collected it probably don't have a poem, but may have a commentary. And then it's also okay to write on it. So eventually the value of the painting goes up by actually the people who have in the Western sense, defamated the original work of art. Um, but in Chinese, I think it's just a different value system. And the way that we looked at art has always been with an, which is it's a building block. A piece of art is never finished. Uh, and it's, it can continue and passes on and and it's, it's, it's alive. It's, there's a Chinese word. If you remember that um, um, last Venice Biennale, uh, the topic was long live art. Uh, the Chinese pavilion chose a name which I think resembles what Chinese believe, which is long live art, which is, the Chinese word is called bu xi, is never stopping, never ending. So it's, it's an ongrowing, but bu xi means it's never the same. It's always evolving. And so I am a yes on this one. <laughs> you don't need to declare your interests quite yet. <laughs> Isn't the paradox that, that, that that's something you're also saying in service of your argument, um, Rosie, is, is saying that this incremental buildup of uh, the contributions of different people to the canon mm. is indeed an act of being original. Um, so uh, how, how do you respond to this point about provenance? I can only speak from a, a musician's point of view and you know there are infinite number of possibilities to and, and tools that you can compose with, with sounds, with like a, with a harmonies and a, it's an infinite number of, 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 of possibilities and Look at Schoenberg, who invented the 12-tone scale, you know, the father of like contemporary um, atonal music, for example, um, um, architecture. We didn't have curvy buildings before, and, you know, we had straight lines, and I just think that, uh, um, that it's almost beside the point to say we're, yes, in some respects, I agree with that, we are building on things, but at the same time, we do have our own individual ideas, and, you know, it's, it's in our... DNA to just constantly find different things with music, with art, with architecture. Is the essence, or the problem with the essence of our debate then, a failure of language? Is it that yeah. this kind of dichotomy between originality versus progress, or we talk about reference versus essentialism, etc. Is it that it's too binary and we're not, we're not uh, contributing words to actually define what Rosie does. This brings me to a point that I, I, I hoped we would get to. Um, when I first mentioned what our debate topic would be to my great friend um, Susan Irvin, who's a writer and spent a lot of time here, she pulled me up quickly and said, well, 
which son are you talking about, Penny? <laughs> which um, was a very good redress. And, um, it, you know, maybe this is the, a question that um, uh, speaks to our, 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 our context. And I really want to hear our, our local audience's perspective on this. Because, you know, coming from the lips of Europeans or Western, Westerners, you know, does there is nothing original under the sun sound rather like there's nothing original under our sun? Um, and uh, the point that, that Susan clearly wanted to get to was that in our hopefully decolonizing world, you know, that we should be open to opportunities of new perspectives wherever we go. What do you say to that, Anne? I mean, maybe because I'm a writer, I keep coming back to, I mean, you said said very early on, this is perhaps about semantics. Like I think about original as a point of origin. And, you know, hearing this description of, um, you know, art as one long progressive game, <laughs> for lack of a better word, is very moving to me. I mean, I, I actually am very moved by the idea of the words I put out into the world or the music that people put out into the world being in conversation with things that have come before and will come later. And so I think, you know, truly this idea of point of origin. Um, and I, I, I don't know, I, I just keep, com I, I keep coming back to that. And I, and I think that how you answer that, this, this question about which song, you know, maybe you don't understand all of the things that have come before you, Which but that is, does not mean they do not exist. I heard a very interesting concept with in mind that in mind of Shanzai. Um, Hun Huang, you mentioned this to me uh, earlier. This uh, Chinese notion with regards to originality. Could you tell us a little bit about that? So I, I think the way we, everybody in this room who actually writes Chinese will know that the only way to learn how to write in Chinese is by copying. There is no other way to learn this language because we don't have 26 alphabets. We're not a phonetic language. We just, the only way we can memorize how to write is by copying it over and over again. So perhaps in that particular process and language is a very strong DNA in any culture that we are not as allergic to copying as Western culture because the way we learn our own language is exactly by the process of copying. So that's why I think Shanjai for Chinese has always I think we've been made to feel ashamed of it. But on the other hand, I don't think we should. Who is we? We being Chinese, mm -hmm. because um, in some ways it's, you know, those of us who consider ourselves globalized, cosmopolitan, would look at something Shanjai would say, oh, this is so Chinese. And it doesn't mean it's good. But sometimes they're really funny especially when they done when they're done really well and and when they're and and when they're done just for the sake of copying something and having fun with it but not for commercial gain it's actually really funny and it's more closer for me i can see that as some a piece of work of art 
that has certain value to me because it reflects part of our culture and what we think about copying and imitation and Shanjai actually is not copying. Shanjai is always taking the original comp concept and twisting it. It's very much in line with Dadaism and not in line with, you know, making bad copies of Miu Miu products and try to sell it, hawk it out on a street corner. Um, Shanjai is actually a different level. And um, so. Are we perhaps asking these questions too late? Clearly, the evidence is that the technology already exists to mimic human behavior and anticipate, write perfectly good prose um, in the place of humans. So, in fact, are we already in a post-original era? Now, Yoko, you write on uh, a design. Why don't you take that one? Thank you. It's actually very interesting because yesterday I went to an exhibition opening, Support Art and Technology, and the title is Human Unlimited. So the, the topic, of course, is about looking at art and technology and how these human ventures can bring us to a better hum humanism in the future. And is actually said in the exhibition that is proven by scientists already the human desire for new things and to create and to progress. So I think it's actually in line with everything we're discussing this afternoon. And I think the, um, the question is, how do we, well, and also very interesting that you mentioned about Sanjai. I think it's more about what do we create and what kind of progress we should have for the future. I don't really mind if anything is original or authentic, but what is better? What do we need? What do we need to progress to the future? I think that's, that's the point. Thank you. Um, we've got a model and a fashion journalist in the house, Estelle Chen and, and Menyung Wang. Um, in the fashion industry, you may all be aware that there's the act of asking, is it original, has become something of a sort of sport with um, in, uh, Instagram accounts like uh, Diet Prada and Balenciaga did it first, etc. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about whether a question such as our debate topic is actually productive and can that be a kind of destructive question and how do we feel about this kind of notion of the 3% being adequate? The fashion journalist Men Young Wang made the point that for the younger generation, provenance is irrelevant. What was really interesting about interviewing a lot of the newer designers now who didn't go to St. Martin's, weren't trained as fashion designers, but who are really creating the brands that all the younger generation really aspire to. You know, people like Heron Preston, Virgil Abloh, and they're all about reusing. And, you know, older people will look at it and say, you know, Prada did it first or Magella did it first. But the younger generation really don't care. They don't care who did it first. And is that even relevant? Because they just Google it and they don't care about the provenance of the image or where the image came from. What do they care about then? If it's relevant to them, like if they feel something from it, because you know, for them, Virgil having done it is enough. <laughs> so I think the idea is what is interesting about this question is, is there anything, is there, there is nothing original under the sun now, because everything that should be invented has been invented already. <laughs> this, 
This idea of nowness is great, um, because I just want to ask uh, my final question before you have a chance to put your final questions to our speakers about um, whether, how do we feel about this championing of newness, of originality, in view of our environmental emergency? Um, and, you know, if everything under the sun has already been made, then why do we need more of it? The model Estelle Chen is only too used to seeing the recycling of good ideas in the world of fashion. But um, as a fashion model, I see the process of you know the designers and stylists um, going through the process of creating new um, new designs. And what do we qualify as new? So when I when I go to fittings, I see these whole boards of mood boards. When I see um, singers from like the 80s or the 70s. So I think it's, um, I think the question we should ask ourselves is, is it a good thing to get inspired? Because sometimes on accounts like diet product, we see, um, you know, the, the people saying um, they did it first or they got inspired by this other brand. But didn't these other brands also get inspired by other cultures or singers or, you know, um, artists from other... Contingency. Yes. Yeah basically. So I don't know if what are your thoughts about is there any ways like new designers can come up with original things or is it already too late and do we, are we can we just only get inspired and be qualified as copycats? Rosie Chan's argument was that even artists who recycle existing ideas add a unique contribution of their own. everything I do is about the emotion and so you know if I truly felt that everything's been done in the sun I, for me I feel like well what is the point I can't personally evolve as an artist I'd feel like why would I want to rehash I've been in situations where I've had to work in a, um, with pop producers where they listen to Michael Jackson Elton John and they will just say let's Let's use those chords, let's use a structure and put something on top. For me, it's not very rewarding. It's not emotionally stimulating. Well, uh, I think this debate could run and run. <laughs> but what I should do is um, release our speakers to go back to their seats so that they can vote. Uh, and uh, Anne Friedman, mm. uh, Rosie, please return. Thank you. Because the point of the Mew Mew Musings lunch debate is that we need to make a decision. And now is the time to the vote. May I, therefore, ask all guests in favour of the motion, yes, this house believes there's nothing original under the sun, to raise their yes block high above them and hold it there for me so I can do the count. I think that's ten. And now, could all guests not in favour of the motion, there is a, nothing original under the sun, to raise their no blocks high above them and hold it there. Okay. So on the final count, we make that 10 yeses and 17 noes, so the noes have it. It's my duty to inform the House that the motion is denied. <laughs>
The third no vote of the Mew Mew Musings this year, I should add. This house does not believe there is nothing original under the sun. Even with the decision made, guests were still keen to share their views as these interviews conducted by Daniel Radoichen prove. The designer Angel Chen had voted against the motion. Can you give me an example of someone you think is original? Someone? Everyone is original, come on. Every individual is original. Hello, my name is Hong Huang. Can you give me an example of someone you think is original? I think the artist um, Ai Weiwei is pretty original. A lot of his ideas are very Chinese, but he managed to be able to transmit that message uh, visually um, to the whole world. Um, and for that, I think I credit him with being a very original artist. Could you just give us your name? My name is Rita. Were you for or against today's motion? Uh, against. Did the debate change your mind? Slightly, but I still think like there is everything like original things and it must exist now. So. so I think there is nothing under the sun is quite depressing. What does true originality mean to you? Mm, it means identity and creative. It means like rebuilding the history. That's original. Vixen Guevara? What's the most memorable thing you learned? That there is nothing original under the sun, but it's okay. You know, I think, I think a lot for a lot of people, I think the difference was sort of their definition of what original really is, you know, and I think for me that it being not original doesn't mean it's not unique, doesn't mean it's not individual, doesn't mean it's not, you know, taking something or taking an idea and making it your own, you know, it doesn't mean that it's not advancing. That was the art director Vixen Guevara talking with Miu Miu Musing's Daniel Radoichen after the Beijing debate in November 2019. That's all from Miu Miu Musings in the meantime. We'll be back with a new series of debates in the spring. Until then. Miu Miu Musings is a co-production between Miu Miu Podcasts, Penny Martin and In Talks With Productions. Our theme music was created by Frederick Sanchez and our graphic identity was created by Studio Veronica Ditting. The Mew Mew Musings team includes Daniel Radoichen, Warren Borg, Trisha Ward and Richard O'Mani. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like it, leave a review and share it with your friends. If you'd like to find out more about Mew Mew Musings, please head to mewmew.com. And if you'd like to join the conversation on social media, Search for at MewMew or the hashtag MewMewMusings. Mew